You're listening to the CCF Saturday Night Service Podcast. To connect with us, you may chat us at m.me slash We hope you enjoy today's talk. Can you greet the person next to you? Good evening. Welcome to SNS. Now, it's my pleasure to be here once again as we conclude the series that we've been having for the past few weeks. And what is it called? Nako, parang walang power talaga, no? Parang ang, ang, ang dami nating ginawa ngayong Sabado na naubusan na tayo. Can we all read that again? Unleash God's power and that's done through? Can everyone do this? Prayer. And we've been learning this action vertical, right? Vertical will impact our horizontal. Let me just uh, share with you a, a, a short story. And, uh, and I, I just want to show this picture to you because on one occasion, I was rushing to get home because I had to go and do some stuff and I had to be somewhere. So as I, I went to our gate at our home, uh, one thing that I did was I didn't park in the garage. I parked in the front of the, of the door. And so once I got there, I started to press the doorbell. By the way, guys, hindi po, hindi po yan yung nasa picture. Representation lang po yan. So I was pressing the doorbell again and again, and then it, it was a couple of seconds, and I can already feel I was already a bit tense, okay? And apart from that, I was already sweating because I was running late, so I tried in my desperation to press it even more. And I'm thinking, can they hear me? What are they doing? Are the people in my house asleep? They cannot hear the doorbell. So I even ring it again, 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 and I knock on the door, and still there is no answer. And by this time, it had been about five to 10 minutes. So I check my clock, what is it I'm gonna do? Well, then I, oh, I thought, oh well, why don't I message them on the phone so they'll open the door? And when I message them, no answer. It's like, what's happening here? I can't get into my own home. The doorbell is not ringing. Nobody's hearing. Nobody's responding. So I feel this irritation already. And I'm like, Do they, don't they know that I have to be somewhere? Don't they know that I have to be at SNS to preach? Maybe that was why I was late the other time. I don't know. So I was already feeling all of these emotions. And then all of a sudden, uh, one of our uh, helpers comes out through the window and she sees me. And I'm like, oh, thank the Lord. And then she finally opens the door. And once I get in, I investigate. Have you been sleeping? What are you guys doing here? You didn't even respond, etc., etc. And apart from that, all I could say was, upon investigation, the doorbell had no power. The doorbell had no electricity. In other words, kahit nagano pa ako karaming beses magpindot, wala pa electricity, walang tunog, no sound. In other words, that made me think, whenever we approach God in prayer, and there is no power, there is no connection, even though as hard as we can try, it will not get through. And what we're going to be talking about for tonight in this aspect, as we conclude this series on prayer, is how we can unleash God's power. Ultimately, it begins with a point of humility. Can everyone say that with me? Humility. Humility. So the topic for today is this main line, which I want you to remember, pray with humility. Pray with Humility. We can go on and on in our many, many prayers, many words, many repet- repetitive. We can all do that. But unless there is that connection with God, our prayers will not be answered nor heard. And that's why we have to inspect ourselves, whether we're coming from a place of humility or we're coming from a place of pride or self-sufficiency. So again, as we come to our text for tonight, we will find out how it is that we can pray with humility. Our points for today is really simple. Number one, we have to realize that all of us have this tendency for pride. Everyone say pride. It is very poisonous. It is toxic to your soul. And that is why we need to acknowledge it, we need to admit it, we need to examine ourselves whether we're living 
pridefully or even if we are praying with pride. The second would be a posture of humility. Can everyone say humility? Humility. And the third would be to discover the power of grace. Everyone say grace. So for our time here today, I want to start off with this question for you and just you. What is hindering your prayer life today? Is it that constant yearning for your prayer to be answered that you grow in your sufficiency for yourself na hindi naman napapakinggan ni God eh. hindi naman answer ako na lang nagagawa nito is that you today are your prayers marked by this lowly and humble yearning for God's will to be done or are you constantly praying Lord ito na ito na ito yung gagawin natin ito yung mangyayari Lord please bless this See, many times, if we're not careful, we can pray in this way to be so filled with ourselves that we forget who it is that we are addressing. So regardless of however you have prayed before, and I think most of us are guilty, we prayed prayers that are all about me, 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 me. Today, we want to uncover the poison of what? Pride. The poison of pride. The very first statements of our passage for today is when Jesus sets the context. In Luke 18, verse 9, He, Jesus, told this parable. What is a parable? It is an earthly story with a significant meaning. Sometimes it is a heavenly message therein. And in this, in this earthly story, it's a parable to convey a message. And He subjected this parable, this story, to people who what? Let's all read this together. Who? Trusted in themselves that they were righteous. In other words, these people were very self-sufficient. They were, to use the term, self-righteous. They thought they were okay with God. They thought that they were in the right standing with God and they trusted in themselves. They were convinced that okay kami ni God. And that's why Jesus shared this very shocking parable. Because why? Because of their self-righteousness, look at this, they viewed others with, with what? Contempt. Ang taas ng tingin nila sa sarili nila, ang baba ng tingin nila sa iba. They would like to more compare themselves with others. Ah, I'm better than that person. Ah, you know what? This person, naku, may sabit yan. Ah, buti na lang, hindi ako ganyan. Diba? That's how they viewed themselves when it comes to their own spirituality. They demeaned others. They despised them. They disregarded others. Now, question here. Is this possible even in the church among Christians? Mm, tingnan niyo po yung katabi niyo. Ano po yung tingin sa inyo? Mukha bang may contempt? O mukha bang may compassion? Tingnan niyo po yung katabi niyo. Mukha bang proud? O mukha bang humble? Oh, lahat kayo humble. Tama po ba? Sa SNS, lahat tayo humble. Okay? We will find out how Jesus addresses these types of people. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, No, 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 hindi ako yan, pastor. Hindi po ako yan. Nako, if you say that, please make sure that you study this, that you learn this message because this message might exactly be for you. The moment that you say, that's not for me, Lord, para sa kanya yan, yung katabi ko dito, Lord, maybe it might be for you. Okay? We live in an age where people get their identity, their self-worth in this. How many of you can relate? Huh? Many people, especially the young generation, my generation, they pride themselves with this damning likes, oh, damning hearts. Oh. Yes, I feel worthy. I feel valuable. I feel I belong. And this is a modern-day equivalent of those who trust in themselves. They have this overextended self-worth. Mataas ang tingin sa sarili. And so let's check out what parable, what story Jesus tells his followers, tells to the listeners. He says there are two 
two men, two people who went up to the temple. And when you go up to the temple, it is a very uh, taxing thing to do. You have to go up a hill. You have to go there through the premises, through all of the people. In other words, it takes energy and effort to go there. And these two people, Jesus says, they went up there to what? To pray. To pray. This was something that the Jews did. But look at this. The two people are classified as one is a what? A Pharisee. And the other a? A tax collector. Now, when the audience of Jesus originally heard this, two people went up the temple to pray, Pharisee, tax collector, all of a sudden, automatic na po sa kanila yon. For them, they would have thought, wow, a Pharisee praying at the temple. How noble. How respectable. How highly esteemed. They would have been more shocked at the fact of the second subject. What? A tax collector coming to the temple? Oh, don't desecrate the temple. Why are you going there to pray? You don't even belong there. Because look at this. The way that the people viewed these two people were very opposite. It provides for us a stark contrast. The Pharisees, as far as I can see, they were religious leaders. They were highly regarded by the people. They were really respected and honored because they knew the law. They followed the law to the dot. So if anyone were so holy and righteous, it was them, the Pharisees. The people regarded them as such. And if we can say it this way, if anyone knows about prayer, it's these guys, the spiritually elite. This is the equivalent of uh, anyone who is super active, volunteering in the church. Maybe it's your Sunday school teacher or, 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 or even the, the priest or the pastor who's there. If anyone can pray, it's this guy, super spiritual. But not so the tax collector. The tax collector, in their minds, these were traitors, mga traidor. Bakit? They worked for the Romans to collect taxes from their own Jewish people, from their own blood. And they often, they collected more taxes so that they can skim off the top. Meron silang kickback. And that's why the people regarded them as thieves. Kinukuhaan na nga po tayo ng pera, tapos kinukuha pa nila para sa sarili nila. And these fellows were treated as traitors, enemies. And maybe they were thinking when Jesus sets up the story, this subject, wow, Pharisee, but yeah, tax collector, what would a tax collector know about prayer? Marunong ba yan mag-pray ng tamang prayer? What is Jesus up to? And so these are the subjects that Jesus starts his story with. One very respected religious figure the other, similar to a crooked, corrupt politician. If we saw the same today, here in CCF, how would we treat them? Re- respected pastor, teacher, politician. Nako, sabihin natin, ah, alam ko kung sinong magaling magpray dyan. Yeah? But notice how Jesus unfolds the story. The first subject, the Pharisee, look at him. How did he pray? He stood and was praying this to God. Notice the very words that Jesus used. The Pharisee stood and he, as he was praying, he prayed to, to who? To himself. Ironic. Why? He was as if he was using the words God, God, God. But he was not being heard by God. He was actually addressing himself only. You see? That is the danger of pride. When you're not careful about it, you think you're praying to God, but entirely you're praying to yourself. You're just talking to yourself. And he says this, this is the contents of his prayer. God, let's all read this together. I thank you that I am not like other people. Wow, what a holy prayer. Lord, salamat, hindi ako tulad ng katabi ko. What a prayer. And then he says, and even lays out a list how he is unlike these other people. The first of which is swindlers, mga magnanakaw, 
Mga scammers! Dami na po ngayon I'm not like a scammer. I'm not unjust. I follow the law. I'm not an adulterer. And certainly, I'm not like this tax collector. See? He compared himself with others. That was the content of his prayer. And not only that, he says, I fast twice a week. Wow! Fast twice a week. The bare minimum for Pharisees was only to fast once a year on the Day of Atonement. Once lang po, minimum. But the Pharisees took it a step further. They fasted every month. But this guy, super spiritual guy, he took it even further. Twice a week. Wow. And he prided himself with that. He patted himself. Wow, galing mo mag-fast. Twice a week. Daig mo pa yung CCF. Every noon time preoklak lang. Ito twice, Monday to Friday. Monday and Friday. What else? I pay tithes of all that I get. Even his resources. And Matthew 23 records this. The Pharisees even tithe even their spices like mint, dill, and cumin. Pa, hindi ko nga alam paano yun. Eh. Parang 10% of uh, tithe or dill or cumin. Parang isiset mo pa. Ganun, 10% to. Itong galing. I don't know how, but they did it. And they prided themselves on this. One commentator said that this Pharisee in his prayer had no eye on God. He had a bad eye on others. And he had a good eye for himself. If we are praying prayers like this, we are in danger. I realize that it is certainly possible to pray with pride. How many of us, we have prayed one or two prayers or many, perhaps, with an eye on ourselves. It's just me, 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 me. I, 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 I. In fact, if we go back to the prayer of this Pharisee, look how many times he repeats, I. Can you count it? Can you count it? I, 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 I thank you. I'm not like that. I fast. I give. Five times. Can I tell you what? This is an egocentric prayer. And oftentimes, if we are not careful, we can fall into the same exact trap. We can pray, and it's all about us. We can pray, and we can so get trapped in this self-righteous pit. At the behest of others, we compare ourselves with others, Jen Oshman said, while we easily diagnose the sins of others, we too often pass over the evil within us. How many of you can relate that we are so affected, we are so overlooking on others' sins that we forget our own sins? And this is a warning for all of us. You know, before I met Christ, I had a very colorful past life. I would often go to bars and clubs and I would get high, I would get drunk, and I would womanize and all of that. And at the places that I frequented, especially one, there was a place there at the end of a long street of bars and clubs, there was a, a chapel there, a church building there. So oftentimes when I would go bar hopping, at the end of that night, from 12 midnight on to sunrise, mga 6 a.m., pupunta ako doon. I'll go to the church building. And then, in my drunken state, I would go inside, and then I would pray a prayer like this. Lord, konting pangbawi lang. Para sa mga kasalanan ko kanina lang. That's my prayer. Because in my mind, I had a certain stature, I had a certain measure of righteousness, but I had to make it up to God. In other words, what do we call that? Ligtas points. Tama po ba? Lord, ang bawi no? Konting ligtas points lang para lang pabalance natin. Yeah? I'd go to church, I would do that, and I'd pray prayers like that just to equalize my sins and my self-righteousness. You see, we have to be careful if we are praying prayers that are humble or prayers that are proud. In fact, look at this. What do you see on the screen right now? 
What color is the circle in the middle? Are you sure? Are you sure it's white? Mm. Uh, for the colorblind people, sorry. Okay, but uh, according to the audience, they call it what? White. What can I tell you? That the circle in the middle is actually gray. When you change the background, when the background is white, it is actually gray. You see that? I realize oftentimes, when it comes to examining our own selves, we think we're white. Compared to others, compared to the sins of others, I, I'm, a, I'm so good compared to, the one, to this one. But when we compare ourselves to the actual standard of holiness, who is what? God. We realize we are sinful. We are depraved. And that is why this Pharisee prayed in that manner. He prayed filled with pride and it was a poison to him. It was so poisonous that he didn't realize that his righteousness could not attain. Why? Romans 10.3 says, For not knowing about God's righteousness, the standard, they sought to establish their own. And they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. In other words, the Pharisees, although they were religious elites, the spiritual highness, but in other words, in light of God, in light of the standard from God, they fell short. And that is why we must be very careful if we are to become Pharisees in the same manner. In fact, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 15. Look at this. How he regards the actual Pharisees in his time. Very strong words. Jesus says, And by this you have invalidated the word of God for the sake of your tradition. And he says, These people, Pharisees, they honor me with their, with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. In other words, ang galing-galing nila magpray, kitang-kita ng lahat in the temple, on the street corners, and yet their heart is far from God. And he says, In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They thought they were worshipers of God, but in the end, they were worshipers of themselves. And that is why today we must be very careful of our own pride, of our own self-righteousness, of our own self-sufficiency, because we might turn into fake Christians. Did you know it is possible to be a fake Christian? You can profess to be a Christian, a Christ follower, and yet be a fake one, be an inauthentic one. Number one, false humility. You can strive to look like it, but in your heart, you are far from God. You assume your own righteousness. Okay na to, Lord. Okay na to. I'm good. And then you keep comparing yourself with others, trying to make yourself feel better. I'm not as bad as them. And then you emphasize your own works. That, my dear friend, is what makes a fake Christian. And I pray that if you have been like this Pharisee, if you have been living your life, going through the motions, praying mechanically, praying mindlessly, praying in comparison to others, praying all about yourself that you might realize today that maybe you are a fake Christian. That you are not worshiping Jesus, but you're worshiping yourself. Is that possible, dear friend? Yes, it is entirely possible. So how do we know? How do we find out? Let's put ourselves to the test. Are we self-righteous? Do we have pride in our lives? Do you want to, to find out? Yeah, let's see. Let's see? You want to see? Okay, 10 people said yes. The rest of you, I'm afraid, Pastor. It's okay, it's okay. My second point pa po tayo. Okay lang yan. There's redemption. Number one, you're more concerned about your reputation, your rituals. Number two, you might see yourself as superior compared to others. Number three, you're preoccupied with your personal glory and success. Number four, you're critical and judgmental towards others. How do you see others? Number five, you're unforgiving. 
There's no compassion for others. Bahala kayo sa buhay niyo. Number six, does not take correction well. Whenever you're corrected, you're very defensive. You don't listen. And last, you're self-sufficient. There's no growth, no change in your life whatsoever for the past few weeks, months, years that you've been joining here in church. Is this you today, dear friend? If you have ticked any of these boxes, it's not too late. There is hope just yet. You know, Jerry Bridges once said this, we will own up to almost any other sin, but not the sin of self-righteousness. When we have this attitude, we deprive ourselves of the joy of living in the grace of God. Because grace is only for for sinners. If we continue in our self-righteousness, we will forego the grace of God. So with this first point, as we go to our second point, I want to just make it into a personalized prayer. Do you want that? If ever you're struggling with self-righteousness or with pride in your own life, maybe this is a prayer that you can adopt for yourself in order to teach us to pray with humility. Do you want, do you want it? Okay, for those of you taking notes or journaling this, this is a prayer that I want you to imbibe, to personalize. Let's all read this together. Lord, teach me to be humble so that you won't need to humble me. Is that a good prayer or not? Right? Lord, please teach me to go beyond this self-righteousness, this self-sufficiency, this pride in my life and in my heart and teach me to be humble so that I do not need to be humbled by you. Why? Because when the Lord humbles us, it's often painful. There's discipline. There's intervention in our life. And oftentimes, He does that through brokenness, breaking us of our self-sufficiency. You know, there was a point in my life when I was already a Christian and I was working in a a company before I went into full-time ministry. And in that company, I really excelled. All of the money that I could make, I made it. And all of the success, I did it. And all of a sudden, I realized pride had crept into my heart. Why? Because originally, I went into that company and I was saying, Lord, I want to glorify you. But in the end, I realized in retrospect, all that I did was now slowly creeping into my heart, in my mind. And no longer was the intention to glorify God, but to glorify the self. That's why God had to humble me. God had to break me down. God had to pluck me out painfully exited from our own company. And that was when I was brought down to my knees and I realized, wow, I have been so proud. I have been so self-sufficient. And that is why this is my prayer for you guys, that you would humble yourself before God, before He intervenes in our lives. Is this a good prayer or not? Yes? Praise God. Now, the second point is this. As we go to the second part of the story, we need a posture of what? Of humility. A posture of humility. Look at this. The stark contrast between the Pharisee and the the tax collector. The tax collector standing some distance away. It was as if he didn't want to approach even. He knew that he did not deserve to be in that place where the presence of God was. He stood far off. And not only that, his posture was, he was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven. He didn't even want to look because he knew that he was a sinner. He knew that he had made a lot of wrongs. He had likely cheated many people, stole a lot of money. He was deeply conscious of his sin and his guilt. And apart from that, he was beating his breast. Can everyone do this? He was beating his breast. It's as if to say that in his heart, he knew he was the problem. 
In his heart, he knew that there was sin and sorrow. Lord, I cannot do this. Lord, it is all because of me. He knows the reality in his inner life. I fall short in every way. And look at his prayer. It's not even a long paragraph prayer of many words. It is a short, simple, and yet straightforward, humble and heartfelt prayer. And he says, let's all read this together. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's it. That was his humble prayer. Of all the people that they would have expected, wow, this tax collector, this corrupt official, actually prayed a prayer of sincere repentance. And he said, God... Be merciful to me, the sinner. And it is a very interesting word that he uses here. In the Greek, it is the word hilaskomai. Hilaskomai. It means to make propitiation or payment for. It means to satisfy divine wrath for sin through a payment, through a transaction. And this is the irony, guys. This is the contrast. Look at this. The tax collector whose chief occupation, whose chief career consisted of collecting what? Payments. Collecting debts. His chief primary job was to collect payments and debt. He knew the accounting. This is what they owe. This is what he is to collect. The irony here is that when in front of a holy God, he realizes, I cannot pay this debt. Hindi ko kayang bayaran to. I cannot pay for my own shortcomings and my own sins. I cannot pay for this debt. So it's as if he was praying, Lord, would you be the one to step in and pay for this yourself? That is the prayer of the tax collector. He knew that there was a debt that he couldn't pay and he knew that it is only up to God to pay. The same word, a similar word is used in 1 John 4. Let's all read this together. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the, there it is, propitiation for our sins. God loves us so much that He took it upon Himself to pay for our sins. He didn't tell us, oh, kayo magbayad yan, ha? I will pay for it myself through my Son. And I do this because I love you. Someone in this room needs to hear this today, that God loves you so much that no matter what you have done, no matter what the shortcoming is, no matter what sins you've practiced in the past, God will pay. He will pay through His love and He will pay through His precious Son. And that is why as sinners, we can come before Him. But we do so in humility. Let's all read 1 Peter 5. Therefore, he says, humble yourselves under the, the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, having cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He deeply cares for you. And he desires for every one of us, his followers, to pray to him in humility. And he will be the one to take care of us. Not like the Pharisee who had it all figured out, but like the tax collector who just came in his desperation, who came in his brokenness, who came and sought God's mercy for himself. That is truly the prayer that God hears and God honors. I want to turn this, and of course, this is the prayer if we want to pray this, it's this, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's it. It's a very simple prayer. And there are two applications for this simple prayer. Number one, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, 
Maybe you have been far off, just like this tax collector. You've been doing life on your own. You've been living in your own terms. You've been running away from God, rebelling against God. And for some reason, God brought you here at SNS tonight to hear this very word. And He is telling you, no longer do you need to run away. No longer do you need to keep away. Come now. Pray this prayer. It is a biblical prayer and it is a humble prayer. To enter into a relationship with Jesus, you need to admit that you're a sinner and you need His mercy, you need His forgiveness. That is the first application. If that is you today, later on, I pray that you would yield your heart to Him, that you would surrender your very life because He brought you here to hear this message. But the second application that I see for this prayer is whenever we commit sin, even as Christians, we will commit sin. We will fall. We will stumble. But any time that we do so, this should be our heart's cry. Lord, I need your forgiveness. Be merciful to me, O Lord. In other words, keep short accounts. The moment that you realize, oh, I've messed up. I've fallen short. Lord, please have mercy. Please forgive me. And as we repeat this prayer, every time we stumble, every time we fall, we are restored to God in fellowship. We confess our sin before Him and we repent and we ask for His cleansing. So this prayer is applicable also to Christians. We need to pray this every day whenever we fall or we stumble or we make mistakes. Let's all read this again. Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. I want to ask a testimony sharer to come here right now to share how this prayer was real in his own life. And as he shares, as we welcome him on the stage right now, we will get a glimpse of how the Lord worked in Albert's life as he shares the intervention of the Lord upon him. Let's welcome our brother Albert. I got married at a very young age of 21 when I got my then-girlfriend pregnant. We led a somehow normal and decent life early on. But after two years, I got to the dirty habit of womanizing, partly due to the influence of my then-boss. On top of that, I also became the vocalist and lead guitarist of an infamous rock band, during which I had numerous flings, dated for fun, and had an affair that went on for more than six years. My life became a series of cat and mouse, where I would be womanizing, and then my wife would catch me. I was out of the house for the entire week due to multiple band activities and seeing other girls. In 2009, my wife and I welcomed our second child after 13 years. We had a girl this time. I thought I could live a straight life because I now have a daughter and I was afraid of reaping the consequences of my womanizing. But I was wrong. Immediately after giving birth, my wife caught me texting sweet messages to another girl. Then I got involved in an affair with an office mate who is also married. All while I was still having several flings and was still dating for fun. But the worst was yet to come for my wife. Because in 2019, I got caught by the boyfriend of my then mistress inside her house. And the scene became really ugly. The girl's boyfriend got a hold of my wife's Facebook messenger and informed her that I was at the girl's house. My wife was devastated. Our life became aloof of betrayal and forgiveness. This lifestyle went on for 20 years, yet my wife never left me and constantly forgave me and accepted me. In 2019, I chanced upon an old workmate and out of the blue, he said that my then boss, who previously introduced me to womanizing, was now a pastor. I was in disbelief but out of curiosity, 
I looked him up on YouTube and found this video of him giving a talk about success in marriage. From that talk, I realized I was selfish and had been seeking for my own personal happiness all this time. I developed an eagerness to hear more messages like the one I just watched. I would go home and share these videos with my wife and tell her stories of what I learned from those videos. I then reached out to my boss who had become a pastor and he invited me to attend to one of the CCF satellites. When the praise and worship music started playing, I was so moved that I was crying and I have no idea why. There was this feeling of joy and freedom and lightness that I had never felt before. I remembered an old relative of mine who was also a womanizer and went on to bear numerous children. For me, he was the alpha male and I wanted to be like him. But what I remembered at that particular moment was how his life ended. See, he has numerous wives and mistresses. He had lots of children, but he died all alone on the sofa of his sister's house. I was so terrified of the thought that one day I could end up like him and he was estranged because his wife hated him and he was estranged from most of his kids. Or I could end up being killed by one of the boyfriends or husbands of those girls that I had been messing with. I felt really dirty and told God, Lord, I don't know what is happening here. But please don't let, me et, don't let me end up like that. This place, being with you, is what I was longing for all along. Please forgive me. It was then that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. After that, it's like my eyes were opened up and things started changing in me. I lost my craving for alcohol. I stopped using curse words which was a big part of my daily speech. I've lost the urge to flirt with other girls. Slowly and steadily, our marriage was being restored and eventually my wife also accepted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. Thank you. Praise God. My relationship with my kids improved and became more meaningful, especially with my eldest son, who nearly lost his respect for me because of my blatant womanizing. My wife and I also joined a discipleship group and in 2021, during which we celebrated our silver wedding anniversary. Praise God. Although I felt unqualified by God's grace, he gave us discipleship groups whom we meet every week. I was also tasked to take on the leadership of Exalt Music Ministry as Ministry Head in CCF Maridao. Recently, I was tasked to facilitate the premarital counseling with a wonderful young couple. We often think that our sins and transgressions are so big that we are unworthy of redemption. But God is bigger than our sins and He sacrificed Himself that our sins may be forgiven. All we needed to do is come to him in humility, confess our sins, and turn from our evil ways. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I am Albert Ascona, once a dirty and selfish person, humbled and cleansed by the love, mercy, and grace of God, now a bond servant of Christ. To God be all the glory. Amen and amen. Why don't we pray for our brother Albert as we all extend our right hand over him. Father God, we just want to thank you for your wonderful and amazing work for all of us and especially here for your child, Albert. Thank you, God, that you have intervened in his life and you have showed him your mercy, O Lord, that you have cleansed him, that you have forgiven him, and that you have made him a new creation in Christ. 
And so even with this marriage, you have created it and recreated it into a new marriage that is centered upon you. So Father, we pray for him, his wife, and their children and their family, Lord, that you would continue to bless them, to keep them, and to protect them, Lord, from the evil one. May you continue to use their life, Lord, as a pleasing testimony to you, O God, to continue to expand your kingdom and to always remind them, Lord, to be humble before you, to walk in your ways. O Lord, we commend our brother and his family and his ministry unto you. Please keep him, Lord, in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. amen and amen. Brother, thank you so much. Praise God. Dear friends, what is our message for today? Pray with humility. Can you say that to the person next to you? Pray with humility. I realize we really need to pray in humility. Look at this in James 4, verses 6 and 10, our memory verse. Let's all read this together. But God gives a greater grace. Grace is something that we do not deserve, and yet it is something that God gives to those who are humble. He says, therefore it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. And therefore God says in verse 10, humble yourselves in the in the presence of the Lord, and He will be the one to exalt you. I realize, dear friends, if we are self-sufficient, if we have our self-righteousness, our pride, God will not answer our prayers. God will not bless even our plans that we make for ourselves. He is opposed to those who are self-sufficient, who are trying to live their life on their own terms. But for the humble, He gives what? And that is what it's all about. All of us don't deserve Him and His grace. But because we have humbled ourselves before Him, He will be the one to exalt us in proper time. And that is why we cap off with our third and last point for tonight, the power of, of grace. We all need grace. Don't you agree? We need grace in our lives. We need it every day of our lives. We are alive only by the grace of God. We are saved only by the grace of the Lord. And that is why Jesus caps off this parable. And he says, after sharing of the Pharisee and his egocentric prayer, and the tax collector and his heartfelt humble prayer, Jesus now concludes, I tell you guys, this man, who? The tax collector went to his house, what? Justified. Everyone say justified. justified. Rather than the other. This is a key word in the story. Jesus uses it precisely because justified here means declared by God as what? Not guilty. Based on the perfect righteousness of Christ imputed through faith in Him. In other words, the sinner, the tax collector, humbled himself before God and trusted that God could pay for his sins to atone for him, to propitiate for him. And he, by then, by his faith in Christ, was justified. Another way to remember justified is if we put our faith in Christ, it is just as if we had never sinned. Why? Because God no longer sees us and our filth. God sees Christ in us. That is what happens when we what? We humble ourselves and we place our faith in Christ. We are justified just as if we had not sinned. Amen? Can we get an amen, church? Praise God. Tell the person next to you, humble yourself. This is the same word that is used in Romans 3. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But being justified, made right, as a gift by His grace. We cannot be justified by our own works, by our own merits, 
by our own striving, by our own rituals, by our own morality. It is only when we humble ourselves and receive the gift of God, which is a gracious and free gift, only then can we be justified. Only then can we experience the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I want to share two other glimpses of this and then we will wrap up. Because this story, as Jesus told, highlights the tax collector, the sinner, the one who is considered to be far off from God. And yet we see, not just in this story, in this parable, but we actually see it in the life and ministry of Jesus. How, for example, this first fellow that we see was a real-life tax collector. Do you guys know who this fellow is? This is Levi, or we come to know him as Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector despised by people. And yet, Matthew records in Matthew 9 how Jesus went to him. He was just minding his own business, sitting at the tax collector's booth. And Jesus comes to him and says to him, Magbago ka na? No. Jesus says to Matthew, the tax collector, follow me. And what does he do? He gets up and follows Jesus. When he encounters Christ, he drops his tax collecting ways and he comes to Christ and does life with Christ. And the next thing that the Matthew 9 records is that this guy, Matthew, the tax collector, whom Jesus called to follow him, he has a Matthew party. What is that? A gathering of other people. What does Matthew do the next very thing after Jesus calls him? He calls his fellow tax collectors. I'm throwing a party. And the main celebrant, the main guest is who? Jesus. Jesus. He invites not the righteous, not the Pharisees, not the religious elite. He invites his fellow tax collectors and sinners. And the people were like, what? The Pharisees saw this in verse 11 and say, why is your teacher Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus says, it is not the healthy who are in need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That is what Jesus came to do. He came to call the sinners to come to him and follow him. Another person that we see in the narrative of the Gospels is this guy. You know this guy? Zacchaeus. What do you know about this guy? He is not only a tax collector. He is what? Chief. Bossing. He is the top honcho. Perhaps this guy was invited to Matthew's party. Perhaps, maybe, some of the tax collector friends of Matthew shared to Zacchaeus, you know what? We met this guy, Jesus. He changed our lives. We don't know. All that we know is that this guy, Zacchaeus, was wanting to meet Jesus. But he had a problem. He was vertically challenged. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. He wanted to reach out to Jesus but he couldn't. So he climbed up the tree and said to Jesus, Jesus! And then Jesus, as if he already knew, went to this guy, Zacchaeus, chief tax collector, the big boss of them all, and says, I will have dinner with you in your household this day. And so what does Jesus tell him? He encounters Christ. Tells him to follow him and in response, this is what he says in Luke 19, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone, anything, I will give back four times as much. My friends, this is what grace does. It allows you to change. It allows you to turn from your old ways into the new way and to follow after Christ. And then he says, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because Zacchaeus 
followed after Jesus. He put his faith in Jesus. And verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is which is lost. These are true-to-life stories. Not just a parable, not just a story, but these are true stories of individuals, tax collectors, despised by society, the corrupt, the despicable, those who are considered far off. But Jesus came to them and Jesus said, follow me. I will give you my grace. That's why praying with humility admits our total dependence on God's grace. And when we do that, once we admit and once we depend on Christ, He changes us. And the parable of that passage ends this way. Let's all read this. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the moral of the story. We need to be humble. We humble ourselves. And oftentimes, this happens through prayer. So think about it. How can our prayers be more humble? How can we pray in the same manner of humility? My last prayer to adopt into this third point is this. When we pray with humility, we can pray something like this. Lord, I can't, but you can. Is that a good prayer? Lord, I can't, but by your grace, you can. For us, maybe, Lord, I can't. I can't change my life. I can't give up this sin. But you can. You can work so powerfully in my life, Lord. Lord, I'm in front of this desperate, impossible situation. I'm challenged in this area of life. Lord, I can't, but you can. That, to me, is the humblest of all prayers. Lord, I can't, but you can. And that is why and how we can pray with humility. Number one, the poison of pride. Our self-righteousness, we need to confess that before the Lord. And in turn, we need to have a posture of humility. More than our prayer posture, our physical, whether nakaniel, nakabaw, whatever it is, it is the posture of the heart that matters to God. And last, the power of His grace. And when we humble ourselves, we can come to Him. As Hebrews 4.16, let's all read this together. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of his grace, so that we may receive what? Mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. When we humble ourselves, we can approach God in confidence and we can ask for grace. And right now, as we wrap up with our message, I want to invite all of us to pray with humility. And how will we do this? we will do so with the Lord's Supper. So why don't we all arise and stand up? And why don't we read this from the same gospel, our verse for today, Luke 22. As Jesus says, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Yes, this included Matthew, the tax collector. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. What is Jesus trying to do here? He is about to face betrayal. He is about to undergo the cross. He is about to be deserted by his disciples and followers. And yet, he humbly, earnestly desires to spend those last few hours with his disciples. In the garden after this supper, he would say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. This is a reminder for us that if there's anyone who prayed with such humility, it was Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
And that is why in verse 18, For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread, he had given thanks and he broke it and gave to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever we partake of the Lord's Supper together, we remember how Jesus humbled himself, how Jesus surrendered his will to the Father, and how he allowed himself to be crucified on that cross where his body was broken where his blood was shed. And that is what is symbolized by the bread and by the juice. The priceless sacrifice of Christ for us sinners. And when we partake of this, we remember, we honor, and we celebrate this humble act of dying on the cross for our sake. So today, I'm going to give you a few moments just to be with God all of us here bow our heads and close our eyes just between you and the Lord today that before we even partake of this communion that you would pray to the Lord that just like that tax collector you can say to God, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need your grace. I need you in my life. Go ahead and do that right now. Dear church, let us pray. Lord, teach me, teach all of us here to be humble, just as you yourself were humble to the point of obedience and death on the cross for our sake. On that cross, Lord, you took our place. You paid for our sins. And that is why we can come to you today and pray, be merciful to us, sinners. Lord, I can't do this life on my own. But by your grace, I can live a new life. I surrender myself to you. Lead me, O Lord, and I will follow. If you prayed that prayer today, know that His mercy and His grace rests upon you. That there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And we get to celebrate this as a church family together. Those who are redeemed, those who are paid for by the blood of Christ and His body. If you're a guest here, please don't be obliged to partake. But if you have a relationship with Christ this day, then let us all together give thanks and partake of the bread. And let us partake of the juice together. Let us give thanks once again. 
Oh, gracious and loving and merciful Father, we thank you that we have enjoined here together to celebrate the most powerful thing ever, and that is your grace. Thank you, Lord, for working in our lives in such a way that we would live and pray with humility. I pray, Lord, for everyone here, including myself, that we would walk with you humbly, faithfully, until you come or until we go home to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All of these things we pray in your sweet and powerful name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening. We'd love to stay connected with you, so make sure to subscribe to our podcast or join an Elevate group through chatting with us. See you at our next podcast.